Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and as always, I am very excited to be joined by my good friend, Dr. Marty Greer, and we are going to talk about a really interesting innovation. We've mentioned it a couple times, Marty, just in passing, but I know you've been really actively involved in the development of this, so I'm very excited to talk to you about it. AKC has created the semen bank concept, taken it from otterhounds. We had the conversation with Joellen Gregory early on about the otterhound semen bank, and AKC has taken this and developed it into something that's available for all parent clubs. Is that correct, Marty? Am I getting this right? Yes, it is. All right, guys, whether you're a first-time breeder or a seasoned veteran, it's not just a litter. It's your legacy. Each puppy represents your hard work, your dedication, and it shows your commitment to the next generation. Revival is honored to support you every step of the way. You can find everything you need to support your litters and the health of your dams and sires with Breeders Edge, Revival's premium line of reproductive and neonatal health products. Breeders Edge was actually developed with the help of our very own Dr. Marty Greer, Revival's Director of Veterinary Services, and a leading expert in canine reproduction and neonatal care. Breeders also rely on Revival, the pet vaccine experts, for vaccine selection and safe shipping to give their litters the protection they need. Revival's online pharmacy serves breeders with a wide variety of prescription medications, plus a knowledgeable staff that's always ready to answer any questions. Grow your own healthy legacy with help from Revival Animal Health. And check this out one time only, $15 off your order of $99 or more by using the code PODCAST15. You can use this code by calling 800-786-4751 or stopping by www.revivalanimal.com. So talk to me about this. I've seen people, you know, social media, right? Everybody's got a thing. Everybody's got a concern. So talk us through this, what it is and why it's important. Sure. So the basic premise is in, in my mind, and maybe I've simplified it further than people are comfortable with, but the basic premise, you have spent 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years developing your breeding program. You have some incredible dogs in that program, some of which are probably male. Mm -hmm. And without the opportunity for the semen that you have collected, frozen, and stored on your stud dogs to be handed off to another generation, those important dogs, that beautiful pedigree, that incredible male dog, he's going to be lost to future generations because what happens is people may plan a lot of things for their will in their progress through 
the loss of their breeding program, if they've retired from breeding, if they've moved into a nursing home, if they've moved and have lost their address, if they've passed away, that semen is still sitting somewhere in a semen bank without a future payment plan. So when that happens, the semen banks, whether they're owned by veterinarians or non-veterinarians, are going to thaw out the semen because of non-payment. And that's most likely in the agreement that you've entered into with the semen bank is you probably signed some kind of a contract. And that means once you don't pay it anymore, it goes away. So these dogs on every single day of the year, we are seeing these dogs lost to future breeding generations because there hasn't been a provision made in your will and your trust for the progression of that. Now, a few people have planned for it and a few people have mentored others that will be taking the semen but that's inconsistent across the dog breeds. So my basic premise here is if you truly value what you've done for your breed and you truly love the breed that you have worked so hard to develop, that you will make sure that there's someone going forward that's going to help you hand that off to a future generation of breeder that's of value. Right. And so talk me through the actual structure of this because I've kind of seen bits and pieces, but I don't want to get it wrong. So this is something that AKC has set up to be managed by the parent clubs. Is that correct? Yeah, basically the AKC has, if you go to their website, it's purebredpreservationbank.org, ppb.org, AKC, ppb.org. So you can go in there and take a look. And we have a recording be released of the basic 45 minute introduction that you can share with your breed club for how this is essentially meant to work. But AKC over the last five years, along with Dr. Gregory, myself, and a few other people at AKC, Jerry Klein, and the attorneys and the accountants at AKC have put together a whole program that is its own standalone nonprofit organization, the Purebred Preservation Bank, that will allow AKC to fund the long-term storage of semen that no longer has an owner that wants to manage it. So you don't necessarily have to have passed away for this to happen. If you're at the end of your breeding program and you're sitting there with, you know, six beautiful dogs that have semen frozen and you're like, well, I don't have anybody I've really mentored and my kids don't want it. So where do I go with this? That's when you go to the AKC website, you pull up the information on there, you sign the document that allows AKC And once you hand it off, you no longer are in control of that part of the semen. You may send all of your one dog semen. You may send part of that dog semen. You may send all the semen that you have to the AKC. And AKC will then pay for the long-term storage. They will probably leave the semen where it is in the short term until they get enough dogs at one location to then start shipping it into their long-term storage. And they've entered into an agreement with Iowa in International Canine Semen Bank and a couple of other locations that will allow that storage to take place and AKC will be funding that. But once you hand it off, it's not yours anymore. You don't get to say who gets it. You don't get to go back and use it yourself, but it will be the semen bank of last resort. So if you keep half of your dog's semen and half of his semen is in the semen bank, yours will be used first. So they prioritize it. They search. They make sure it's not anywhere else. And believe it or not, AKC has really incredible records on all the semen that's frozen. If we send in paperwork that says we've used frozen semen on a dog, on a bitch, and we don't have the supporting paperwork at AKC showing there was frozen semen, we're going to have to get that document put together before AKC will release the litter registration. So AKC keeps really close tabs on this. 
They've got a whole department that does it. So the basic premise is you no longer control the semen. You hand it to AKC. You no longer have a financial obligation to paying for the storage of it. So that's the cool part about it is you don't have to destroy your semen because you're going to have this ongoing hundred and some dollar expense of each dog every year that adds up. And if your kids are like, what is this bill? And why would I want this? And that was dad's program or that was mom's thing. I'm not doing it. Understandable because a lot of people in generation don't want that responsibility, don't have the interest. So that's the basic premise. However, every breed club makes their own rules. So your parent club can put together their health committee, their genetics committee, a special committee for this. Your breed club will sit down and with some ideas from what other breed clubs have done, be able to say, this is how we want the semen disseminated. Does the bitch have to have a chick number? Does she have to have these certain criteria? When is it appropriate to use? Has she had a litter before? You know, all those kinds of things your breed club can decide. But as you release the semen, you can't say, well, I don't look Susie Smith. And Susie Smith is never going to get to touch my semen ever, ever, as long as I live over my dead body. And maybe it will be over your dead body because now it's no longer yours. So that's the important thing is that your breed club can set up that committee that will take it over. And there is lots of help from it. We've got our 45 minute presentation. We're willing to do live Q and A to the breed clubs, to the whole breed club at their national, at whatever, if you want it to be your genetics committee, if you want it to be whoever, you know, AKC is going to allow your breed club to do this. But 50 years from now and a hundred years from now, that's what we're looking at. We're not looking at what happens next Tuesday when a bitch has to be bred. We're looking at a hundred years from now, is your dog still a value? And you might say things like, well, styles of dogs change. And indeed they do. But sometimes those foundational dogs are structurally what you need. Sometimes those foundation dogs predate certain genetic disorders that have really worked their way deeply into the gene pool and can be very hard to breed your way out of. You know, Labradors had a frequently used sire that created an EIC problem in the breed. We know Skipper Keys had an MPS3 disorder that became prevalent in a third of their puppies. And that was a disease that puppies died from between one and two years of age. So there were some pretty awful things that have happened, not intentionally, of course, no one sets out to breed dogs with genetic diseases. But when they've become ingrained in the breed and we don't have the genetics to breed our way out of it we need those resources to be able to go back into the gene pool and pull that foundation dog back out and move him forward right and genetic diversity i mean that's what i think of particularly in frequently used sire problems and stuff like that even if you don't have a specific disease even if you've just got no dogs anywhere in the country that don't descend from Happy Jack, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you just right. really want something that doesn't descend from Happy Jack. Genetic diversity is a thing. So the parent club sets the regulations. The bitch has to have had a litter, has to have chick clearance, has to whatever their parameters are. Right. They submit those much like chick. So the parent club sets up what the health testing has to be. And mm-hmm. gives that to OFA. So similar concept. AKC then receives a request 20 years from now. I need a German wire-haired pointer that doesn't descend from Happy Jack. I mean, how does that process work? Well, AKC still doesn't make that decision. The decision is still made by the breed club. AKC's okay. role in this is to pay for the semen storage and to register the puppies. Got it. That's it. 
AKC is not there to start saying, well, we want you to do this with this, and we want you to do that with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to have faith that 100 years from now, this mission, this vision mm -hmm. is going to be held true. But it's not about Susie Smith. It's right. not about you. It's not about Happy Jack. It's about the overall health of the breed and where we can go with some of the genetics. And there's some great tools out there already on determining COI and mm -hmm. matchmaker mm -hmm. kind of technology mm -hmm. with Bark. Mm -hmm. I mean, all kinds of stuff that's going on out there with DNA testing and it's exploding. I mean, the ability of what we can do right now to change the genetic future of our dogs is great and it's gonna get better. You know, when we start to see things like tests for lymphoma and hemangiosarcoma and some of these really devastating cancers. Please make that happen, please make that happen. I can't control how DNA testing is evolving, but you know, every time they find another DNA test, it's another great tool. Now, of course, you know, we have a test for things like long coat. Corgis don't die from having fluffy coats. Right. So it's not an important disease test in that regard. It's a trait test. Right. But every time they develop a trait test, they're that much closer to developing a test for a disease because they've eliminated that piece of DNA as right. a possible cause right. for cancer. So as soon as we have a little bit more, we're going to really be able to start changing things. And you'll be able to then, what if every golden retriever on the planet carries the DNA for hemangiosarcoma, except for the dog who died two years back. What if that's the only thing that's left and he's the only place that we can go back to? You know, what happens when diseases like canine influenza does some terrible thing to our gene pool? What happens when diseases like coronavirus affect our ability to travel and do things? You know, you start looking at those things. World War II significantly changed the genetic diversity of those European breeds that were affected. They were down to small, small numbers of litters like Bernese Mountain Dogs and German Shepherds were down to tiny little numbers of litters. So this is our ability to have that as a resource. And other organizations have predated us. The bovine industry goes back to the 1940s. They started freezing semen then. And very early on in the 1940s, the bovine industry saw the value of keeping those bulls semen from long, long, long ago. So it's still available. In dogs, we haven't done that because all of our semen has been owned by people, individuals, maybe one or two people, but never by an organization like the bull industry. The bull industry owns their bulls, not individual people. There is a seed bank for crops, for vegetables and crops and things like that. There's a seed bank under the Arctic Circle that's storing over a million kinds of seeds so that if something happens catastrophically to our environment, that those seeds are available to restore our food crops, to restore our grasses, our, all this stuff. So that stuff already how, exists. How did I not know this? How did I not how know did, this? I Mind didn't either. Okay, once again, Marty has blown up Laura's brain. It is freaking seven o'clock on a Sunday morning. This is not okay. <laughs> Well, you know, we do this every time we talk, Laura. Oh, I know. man. Mind blown. <laughs> Seeds under the Arctic Circle. Got it. Yeah. So <laughs> stored. Yeah. So that if something happens, like what if corn smut becomes something right. in every right. ear of corn in the whole world, where do we go? How do we fix that problem? So that's the same kind of concept that this is. And our purebred dogs, and we've talked about this before, you've talked about it before, is the importance of them in our history, in our culture, in all of the parts of us is we don't all want to go back to the 30-pound, erect-eared, short-coated brown dog with a curled tail. That's the quintessential street dog that shows up in every culture if the dogs aren't having a controlled breeding program. And as cute as they may be, that's not what we want for most people. They want an individual breed of dog because 
that's what they want is the predictability of size, shape, coat, activity, personality, all the things that go with predictability of dogs. So this is an opportunity for us to still be able to access all those dogs and be able to use those as a resource. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the important points. The other important point is as DNA develops, we're going to be able to do DNA testing on some of this semen. And so I'm going to jump off here and come back in, but it's important to know that even if that dog's semen quality wasn't good enough to conceive a litter with a bitch, Mm -hmm. that his semen may still have value in DNA testing. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion can give you peace of mind knowing your pet is covered in the event of an unexpected accident or illness. Even better, Trupanion can pay your veterinarian directly and has no payout limits, so you'll never have to choose between what's best for your pet and what's best for your wallet. And if you're a breeder, you can join Trupanion's free breeder support program and get a special offer to share with your puppy buyers that waives all the waiting periods. So coverage goes into effect immediately. And when I was at the garden this summer, I was hanging out with Trupanion and I got a chance to catch up with Cindy. She's a breeder who's a member of Trupanion's breeder support program. And she shared the following testimonial with us. She said that Trupanion has been the best and saved me thousands of dollars. My puppy buyers love it, and I hope they always stick with it. A dog is never going to have an accident on payday. It's always when the money is tight. Cindy, you are dead on about that. So take a moment, guys. Sign up for Trupanion's free breeder support program now so you and your litters can be prepared for anything. Get started by heading over to my partner page, puredogtalk.com. Go ahead. That's really fascinating concept. Yeah. Say we have a DNA test and we need to figure out who the dogs are that were affected early on, we can pull some of those samples. Now, there's not a full complement of DNA in a sperm cell, but there is enough typically epithelial cells and other cells in the ejaculate that they can harvest them and do DNA testing on (laughs) the semen sample. Now, in my clinic, and this is something that we developed a long time ago, is I went to a meeting in Oklahoma a number of years ago, and they were talking about DNA testing dogs. This was the field dog stud book people. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we started in our practice saving a blood sample on every single dog that we collected semen on, on an FTA card. That's a little filter paper card that you put four big wells of blood on, they dry, you put them in an envelope, you put them in a file cabinet. And then instead of having to thaw out the semen, so say Susie Smith wants to use your semen, but Susie Smith needs to know if XYZ disease occurred in your dog, instead of thawing out semen to check that particular dog, we pull that card out of the file and take a little punch of that blood sample and send that to the DNA lab and they can tell us if XYZ disease occurred in Happy Jack. So we can tell without thawing out semen in our practice, but many places have not done that. So that means you can still either talk to your vet about an FTA card. They cost about $5 a piece. So we just do them. It's included in the price of semen freezing in our practice. I remember you've talked about this before, but this with the semen bank makes it Mm -hmm. like really brings it full circle why it's useful. 
Right. And if your vet doesn't do that, either buy your own FTA card and ask them to collect blood. When they draw the brucellosis test, they've already got blood in the syringe. Mm-hmm. Put it on the card. Or OFA, of course, has a data bank of blood samples you can send, purple tops, and OFA stores those. But that requires refrigeration and expense and managing. And I can't even imagine how many refrigerators they must have to have to keep those samples appropriate. And then, of course, they can harvest DNA and there's other things they can do with it. And I don't understand the technology. That's way out of my scope. But an FDA card is no big deal. It's just a filter paper card. And if your vet says, I'm not storing it for you, fine. Have them put the filter paper card in your hands and then you keep it. You can and you it. have it. And you could do it for your bitches too, not because you're going to be using their eggs at this point because we don't have that technology. But at least you would have those females also mm-hmm. to figure out if you wanted to do some DNA testing on. Mm-hmm. So FTA mm-hmm. cards are very accessible. They're super easy to use and they're inexpensive. You just, like I said, put the blood on it, let the blood dry, put it in a foil envelope that comes with it, put a little desiccant packet in there. You know, those little things that you find in your shoes and they do not eat. And your pill bottles. <laughs> exactly. And so there you go. So now you have a way to store your dog's DNA. Well, and I will make a pitch for OFA's DNA databank. I've got a number of dogs mm-hmm. in it. For people involved with national clubs, that can be one of your health things that you do at the national. It's what we did. You can have them draw blood to send to the mm-hmm. DNA databank because mm-hmm. that is another place that they are doing exactly what you're talking about, preserving yeah. the information on dogs. Many of the dogs that I had drawn the year we did it are gone. I mean, it was from 2009, I think, maybe, uh-huh. maybe seven. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a big deal to be able to have that access for research. So that's my pitch on that. Okay. So some of the complaints or concerns, I guess I've seen are, well, the people on the board at my parent club, I wouldn't trust them to decide who gets this semen. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So be on the board, then be on the committee. <laughs> if you don't trust them, then work on it. You know, it doesn't mean that your breed club can't have that as an insurmountable problem. You just have to figure out how to work around it. But my understanding, and I just want to clarify this and make sure I have it right. The board sets the parameters of who can have the semen. Mm-hmm. They don't say who can and can't individually. Pretty much. That's what it comes down to is they're okay. going to have some ideas. And when you submit your dog, if you were to call or go to AKC's website today, they would want your dog's information, including their pedigree. They would want photos. If you have videos of the dog, they want mm-hmm. those archived. So they're looking at collecting enough information on that dog while you're still here Well, you still can pull up the video and pull up the wind photos and all the other things that are important, his health testings. They want all that to be included with the paperwork that's stored. And their primary emphasis, to be really honest, has been low entry breeds, which accounts for 50% of the AKC's breeds. But they're already accepting samples. They have sample one and sample two accepted. Sample one was a Pembroke Welsh Corgi. It belongs to Ann Bowes. And everybody's really excited about it. But They were like, oh, but corgis aren't low entry. But on the other hand, it's a step in the right direction. And Anne is a very important person as a mentor and as a thought leader and an influencer in the AKC. So if people are seeing that Anne is willing to do it and the second dog was a Leonberger, then we are starting to- I've got a wire hair pointer. I think I've got one vial left on a dog that I'm not going to use. I could give them that. Yeah. And all you do- Yeah, you go to the website, you pull up the form, you fill it out. And then once your breed club has figured out what the criteria are, because our Corgi club doesn't have that figured out yet, but Anne was still able to donate her semen. So it will sit in the AKC storage until we get that figured out. So eventually 
the dogs that are being stored at all of the semen banks around the country will be transferred into those smaller numbers of banks because of cost efficiency. But we don't want to send one vial because of the cost that goes with that. Sure, 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 sure. And they want to be able to make sure that they have enough funding to support the entire project for 100 years. Mm -hmm. So AKC Mm -hmm. is looking at this as a long-term project. So it is not under any other umbrella at the AKC. It is its own entity, its own nonprofit. It has its own little category and its own funding source. So you can donate funds, you can donate semen, you can certainly do a lot of those things to support the importance of the value of these foundational dogs. And there are some really beautiful dogs out there that if the semen bank closes or if you don't pay your bill, that semen is gone. And once it's thawed, it's never to be returned again. We bought, over the course of our business career, we've purchased four semen banks from other organizations. And when we brought in the first semen bank that we didn't start ourselves, we were finding semen in there that had been thought to be lost the clients that we were contacting and saying, oh, we want to let you know that we have your dog's semen. And they said, no, you don't. It was lost. It was frozen and thawed and eliminated, or we never got track of it. Or, you know, they would be like, what? You have what? You couldn't have it. And we would read off the AKC number and say, we're looking at the vial right now. We're telling you that that's what we have. And they would be like, oh my God, like there's some pretty cool stuff that came of that because people thought that those dogs were lost and they were able to pull them back into a breeding program. And the frozen semen from the cattle frozen in the 1940s is still being used to inseminate cows today. We know it's still viable and we don't know how every single dog is going to store long-term, but there are still many, many, many opportunities for us to save those dogs semen, even though it was frozen in dogs, we started freezing semen in the late 60s. So I have semen in our tank that goes back to the 80s. So it's still viable semen, it's still valuable semen, and it still has a place in our breeding programs. Yes, styles change, but a good, solid, structurally sound and behaviorally sound dog is never going to go out of style. Right. Well, and I guess for me, it goes back to the genetic diversity and the ability to predate various and sundry popular sires. So now AKC is in the position of accepting donations of semen or funding or what have you. It is not in the position of accepting a request for ANBO semen, for example. No, we're a ways out from that yet. Our breed clubs have to write the criteria. I think the Otterhound Club is the only one that's completed the whole process. And it does take a while to change people's mindsets, to introduce the concept and educate and help people really understand what's happening with this, because it is a whole different way of thinking of a breeding program Mm -hmm. than what you've ever done before. And we don't expect breed clubs to immediately be able to transition to this opportunity. But what we do want to do is keep those dogs from being thought out, because every single week, if you don't get a payment on a semen sample, you've got a veterinary clinic or a semen storage facility that's going to say, we're done, we're not storing it anymore. So that's the opportunity is before this whole thing started, we surveyed the theriogenology veterinarians, we surveyed the semen banks, we surveyed the breed clubs. And yes, about half the breed clubs are really reluctant and about half of the other breed clubs are really willing to work with this because there's a lot of opinions. And I understand that, you know, people feel very passionately about how their stud dogs are used. And I get that, but you have to really take a step out of your ego and out of your personal vendettas against certain individuals that you may. Yes, Susie Smith. I hope there's nobody listening that's named Susie Smith because I'll feel really bad. I'm really sorry if you're out there, Susie. But or, or it's somebody really that has important. a dog named Happy Jack. Sorry, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this is an opportunity for you to really move forward with your 
breed and know that the value of your semen, the value of what you were able to secure, it's incredible. So we really have to take advantage of this. And everybody thinks they have more time. Everybody says, oh, well, you know, when they come in with their stud dog for a semen analysis, we'll say, well, do you want to freeze that today? And they say, oh, no, no, I'm good. You know, he's only two. I'm going to wait. And then something catastrophic, tragic happens. And it can happen to us. It can happen to our dogs. So our motto at our clinic and that of a lot of places is freeze early and freeze often. So, you know, start freezing your dogs when they're young. As soon as you see that they're passing their health clearances and they're healthy and you love the way they're performing, then that's when to freeze the semen. It is not to wait until he's 12 and his semen quality is terrible and you're another 12 years older and you're well, not really or, active. You know, I just decided to collect him. He's sick. He's dying. Whatever the semen quality is and is mm -hmm. good. Okay, so next clarification question. Say I'm going to donate my wire hair pointer cement that I have sitting there. Mm -hmm. I can do that today, even though the German Wire Hair Pointer Club of America has not created standards. Is that correct? Yes, you have to have enough faith that they will appropriately make decisions. But this is where, I, like I said, that you have the chance to say, I would like to be on the committee. I would like input. You know, be involved. Don't passively complain about what's not happening. If your breed club's not moving forward or you don't like the direction they're moving, don't complain about it. Fix Join it. the committee. You know, fix it. And that's kind of the bottom line is don't be that person. Be the person that stepped up and said, yes, I have a great dog. And yes, I would love for him to have a future in a breeding program. Be that person that leads the way and become that forward thought thinking, smart person that sees the value of this. Mm -hmm because it breaks my heart. We don't thaw semen at our practice, unless it's being put into a female. We don't thaw semen, but a lot of places do. University of Minnesota, when they stopped storing semen, if no one had claimed it, it was destroyed. Wow. So it happens in a large scale. It happens in a small scale. Semen bank owners, if they don't have a succession plan and they pass away, we have to scramble to figure out who's going to take care of those. That happened to us on one occasion where we had the opportunity to get the semen, but it took an extremely long time to figure out the AKC details of it. But now AKC has started to see that there's a place to put a provision on this. And so we have made a lot of progress with the ability of the AKC to see the value in this. I will say that I have been pretty impressed with Dennis Sprong and Mark Dunn and mm -hmm. their thoughtfulness about this and involving the attorneys, involving the right people so that we have all the correct things in place and getting the IRS to grant us a nonprofit status. I can't even imagine what it must look like when this application goes to the IRS. <laughs> you want to do what with dog what? So the poor guy here at, at IRS is probably oh, shaking his poor IRS agent. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I don't get paid enough to do this. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Well, I tell you what, Marty, I, as always, I'm grateful for the opportunity for you to blow my brain up. <laughs> and, well, and have a little fun doing it. I mean, have some yeah. fun doing it and hopefully put some important information in front of people. We had all of October was spicy October. So now we're having meat and potatoes November. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, my God. All right. Well, thanks so much, Marty. You have a great day. What are you doing today? You're playing in Austin, right? Yep. We're in Austin. We're at a dog show, but we came down for the music. So, Perfect. you know, we're getting it all done in one weekend. <laughs> As always, my friend. <laughs> all right, crew. 
I hear from folks pretty much daily asking for a specific topic or for a series of podcasts on a topic. So ask and you shall receive. (laughs) I've done all the hard work. I've sorted, searched, and compiled eight different albums from the archives on our most popular topics. And when I say there's a podcast for that, I ain't just a woofin'. Getting yours today is super simple. Just jump on puredogtalk.com backslash store and click the PDT albums image. And when you're in there, you're going to find a collection of veterinary voices. You're going to find a collection for breeding and whelping hands-on. You'll find Pure Dog Talk University on dog breeding. Love the breeds. Up your game. Owner handlers, the interviews, events and sports. There is so much there. And once you're in those links, you'll be able to read the details of the topic. For a special introductory price of a buck ninety-nine, you get a link to dozens, up to more than a hundred episodes on these specific topics. And while you're there, if you or a friend or family member are just getting started, even just starting a search for your first well-bred purebred dog, you can also check out Auntie Laura's Beginner's Guide to Show Dogs at puredogtalk.com backslash book to get the foundational Pure Dog Talk episodes with bonus tracks. So hop on it, y'all. These special prices will not last. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 